Father, it's with joy that we're here this morning giving all of our praise and all of our glory to you. You've redeemed us, you've saved us, you're saving us day by day, and it's so good to know that we owe you all the glory. It's not of ourselves, it's all of what you have done. We're here because of what your son Christ has done for us. We love you for all of what he's done, all of his accomplishments, and here we stand this morning being able to give you the glory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. We've come to the end, which sounds very ominous, very very final, but we have come to the end of our series, A Great Cloud of Witnesses. This is our last message. Uh, If you're with us next week, we're going to move on. And um, we're going to cover something that's not usually covered that often, but we're going to cover the minor prophets. So if those of you who've never gone through it before, you want to know a little bit more, this is definitely a series for you. For those of you who have been through it before, There's always new. There's always new things. Well, here we are. We're at the end. If you want to uh, turn in your Bibles to Genesis 49, or if you want to just follow what's on the screen, that's going to be fine. Uh, We're going to cover chapter 49 and chapter 50 today. Um, this, This chapter opens with an old man. His name is Jacob, and he's basically on his deathbed. So I have a I have a picture of an older man. Um, It's not really Jacob, of course, but it it gives you the idea of a man who's come to the end of his life, and last week it was great because we had an opportunity to see how Jacob looked back in his life, and this week we see Jacob looking forward. Now, he's fully aware that his days are numbered. In fact, they're probably just a few days left. Well, as a good father, as a good grandfather, he wants to look forward to make sure that those who come after him continue in the same way, and they don't forget the things. So by this time, Jacob is probably about 147 years old. He wants the best for his family, but he also understands his family. Anybody who's come from a big family, you know there are different characters in that family. Some boisterous, some uh, quite strict in their, in their way of doing things. Well, Jacob's family is no different. His sons were before him, and he's about to bless them before he passes on. And one thing that Jacob is very aware of are these weaknesses and strengths that his sons have. And so this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to first of all look at some of the negative tendencies that some of his sons had. We're also going to look at some of the positive tendencies that um, his sons had. And we're also going to see, because we, whenever we come together, we always want to focus around Christ. We want to see how he realizes that the only way for his sons to get through, the only way for him to make a, for them to continue forward as he has already started is for them to center their lives around Christ. 
So let's start with the negative. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to talk about Reuben. We're in chapter 49, and we're going to start in verse 3. So just so that you're clear, th- this was not one of those things where he would say, okay, could you ask Reuben to come in? And then Reuben would have a kind of a small conversation with his dad, and then he would leave, and the next one would... No, this was before all 12 sons. They were all there. They were all listening. And so here's what uh, Jacob says to Reuben. He says, Reuben, you are my firstborn. You are my might and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. That is really what Reuben should have been. But the reality was, Jacob knew his son and he said, in fact, you are unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it, he went up to my couch. And some of us may be wondering what is going on here. And just to you know, bring everybody up to speed, earlier on in the book of Genesis, uh, Reuben made a move, which some people focus around and say it was a lustful move on his part. More commentators today are looking at it and recognizing that what Reuben was doing was actually making a power play. As the firstborn, it was kind of like the peacock spreading his feathers and saying, look at me, how powerful I am. And he actually went and slept with Bilhah, one of Jacob's wives. And so because of that, Jacob was very, very clear who Reuben was. He was pushing for power. He wanted to be a leader, and yet look at the words that Jacob uses to describe him. He says, you are as unstable as water. And, and basically what he's saying to Reuben, he's saying, you can't take that preeminent role that you should have taken. You are an unstable leader. And because all of them are there, this is helpful for them going forward because now they realize, okay, that cannot be our leader. So the words that Jacob is speaking to them actually is saving them all. Because if they all started following Reuben, that would not be good. That was one of the negative tendencies that uh, was brought out. A second one was with his son, Dan. And I want to read these verses to you from 16 through 18. It says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heels so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, O Lord. And here again, here's Dan and the the description or the picture that Jacob gives and ascribes to him is you are a serpent. There is a, there's something about you, Jacob, that is, sorry, there's something about you, Dan, that is not so positive. You tend to hinder people. Horses are trying to make progress and you're biting at their heels. That is not a positive thing. And so again, in, uh, in the midst of all of his sons, he makes this very, very clear. Let's go to the positive tendencies. 
because nobody's responding at all to the negative ones. They're all thinking, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Hey, look, I, I think you and I, we have to recognize that within ourselves, we have some tendencies like this as well. Do we have a positive? We do. Do you have a negative? We also have those. So let's just, uh, let, let, let's be fair with ourselves. Look at, let's look at the positive tendencies. I want to look at this person, Judah. Judah, starting at verse 8, says, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hands shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness who dares rouse him. Keep going. The scepter. For those of us who are not familiar, that's that ruling staff. When you see a monarch of any kind, they usually have this kind of a scepter. So it's kind of a rod. Probably should have got a picture of it for you, but sorry. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. This is positive. Nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. So what do we see with Judah? We see a lion. Judah, lion. What do you know about a lion? A lion is strong. A lion is stable. A lion is kingly. And from Judah, from Judah was going to come Christ. Christ was to be born from the tribe of Judah. And so as Jacob is on his deathbed blessing his sons, he's saying, there is hope. I know you've got your negative tendencies, but there is hope. There is hope because Christ is coming. In fact, in the book of Revelation, Christ is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Awesome. Okay, let's not get bogged down. Joseph is our next positive tendency. And, and here's what you see. You see, Joseph is a fruitful bough. For those of you not sure what a bough is, it's a branch. A fruitful bough by a spring. His branches run over the wall. That means he's just, he's not confined to his area. He just wants to go over and get and reach other people. He says the archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, by the God of our Father who will help you. Keep going. Look at this. By the, might, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that crouches beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb, the blessings of your Father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who set apart, who is set up, was set apart from his brothers. What do you see with Joseph? You see a fruitful bough, and he is well watered. It says, You are a fruitful bough by a spring, well watered. 
well taken care of. You cannot be fruitful if you've got no supply. And, and Joseph is that fruitful bough. And what is he doing? He is extending over his, let's say, given territory. He is reaching out over the walls. And so two things you can take from this. Number one, Joseph is being blessed by God. Secondly, he is becoming a blessing to others. Joseph was blessed and Joseph blesses others. Very, very positive tendencies. And what do these again point to? These point to Jesus Christ. When he comes, this is the kind of person he is. He is the one who blesses you and he is the one who enables you and I to be a blessing. Let me talk about minimizing our weaknesses. Interesting picture. Minimizing our weaknesses through Christ. The picture is beautiful here. Not the one on the screen, but the the picture in the Bible is beautiful because what you see in this group of people You see people who have negative tendencies. You see people who have positive tendencies. And I want to bring this down to an individual picture just for a second. So stop thinking about all the children of Israel for a second. And let's think about you and me. Let's think about us. Are you aware of your personal weaknesses? I see some people nodding. That's good. The others may be too nervous to nod. That's okay. (laughs) Like think about some of the typical weaknesses we have. I'm just always late. Okay. Maybe you maybe you just have a different kind of attitude to you know than some people. Maybe your weakness is whatever. Whatever, if it happens, it happens. Whatever, whatever. Some say, oh, that's, that's good. That's why you don't have gray hair. <laughs> that's right. Probably true. But have you ever thought what you're doing to the people who are on time and who do care? Just asking. Maybe you're the kind of person who is, and I, I've got it down in my notes as a doormat. Interesting. There are some people who are so loving, so giving, so generous, and yet people take such advantage of them, they, are, they actually use them like a doormat. They come in with their dirty shoes, they wipe their dirty shoes all over them, this person gives them all kinds of relief, and then they go out, and some would say, well, that's a good thing, but what about the doormat? <laughs> Sometimes the doormat just doesn't get taken care of, and maybe that's just who you are too. Maybe your weakness is not that, but maybe your weakness is that you're a perfectionist. Come on. Oh, am I the only one in the room? Yes. Thank you, John. I'm so glad that we have some who are... Thank you. Okay, okay. I got a few more. I was, I was here earlier get, before you all came, and Blake saw me. I'm in the back, and the chairs are just not lined up properly. And so I'm in there just nudging them with my knee so they all line up properly. Well, some would say, well, that's a good thing. But you know what? That can also be a little bit of a weakness on my part. Um, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you some you know, insight into my life. Uh, my wife will tell you. I'll speak for her. Ian, you're way too picky. 
You're way too picky. So everything just has to be right. Everything has to be in its order. And anyway, I think if that's, my, that's part of my weakness. Some would say that's your strength as well. Uh, it's caused me more trouble than anything else. When I, and I, I've mentioned this one before, but I, I say it because maybe, maybe you weren't here the last time I mentioned it. And it's not to expose me, but it's probably to help you. When I was, uh, when I was teaching, I was uh, correcting kids all day long. No, you don't say it this way. You say it that way. No, that grammar is wrong. Everything else. And so what I did is I shifted from teacher to dad and I came home and I started doing the same thing with my wife. (laughs) Note to self, not a good idea. Just, you know, it's just that kind of perfectionist kind of thing that, you know, I'm, that's just the way God kind of made me. But that doesn't mean that... I, I need to stay like that. And so I, what I realize is because, because I'm so picky at times and because I'm, I, I just can't, <laughs> I'm just correcting people all the time. I'm more like Dan than anything else. I'm like the viper. People are trying to just live their life and I'm biting at their heels. Well, that's not helpful. That's really, really not helpful. <laughs> What is the answer? We had the, the image up earlier. The answer is this, to minimize those weaknesses by letting Christ take the lead in your life, practically. To minimize those weaknesses by letting Christ be on the throne. Let Christ be the lion in your life. It's not about you just living out your weaknesses. It's about recognizing your weaknesses and then recognizing that Jesus Christ has got to be the one to help you. And I think the way we start to do that is we honestly, genuinely ask him, Lord, I see this in my life and I need your help. If you don't do that, then you continue to live that kind of weakness out. Same kind of thing when it comes to the fruitful bow. Are you a fruitful person? Are you a person who's being blessed? Most of us would probably say yes. But a fruitful bow is not just a fruitful bow. It goes over its walls and it blesses other people. Are you blessing other people? Jesus is in your heart to help you to do that kind of thing. Let me talk about us as a, um, as a group. Let's talk about uh, us collectively as a church, every church has its strengths and its weaknesses. Doesn't matter where you go. I've been in so many different churches, and believe me, they all, sooner or later, you figure it out. Okay, this is what this church is really strong at. This church is not so strong at other things. And we're, we're no different. And so if you were to ask me, just generally speaking, I would say this. What, what are we good at here? We're really welcoming I don't know if you ever noticed that. If you've been here a long time, you probably got used to it already. But for people who come for the first time, it's kind of like, wow, you guys are really loving. You're really welcoming. That's a good thing. It's a very, very positive thing. Okay, other things. I think, I think we have a great uh, music ministry. I think it's forming and it's, it's really, really good. I also think, and I'm, I'm not saying this because I'm part of this, but I, I also think that the word that we deliver week by week, is, is good. It's, 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 it's with God's, it's, it's close to God's word. It's, it's ex, 
kind of expanding God's, not expanding God's words, but it's, it's explaining God's word. That's our heart when we, when we get together. And so if you come to church in Toronto, that's what you find. And of course, there are other things as well. How do we, as a church, move forward? We have to let Christ be on the throne. Okay, great, you've got your strengths. But still, your strengths have to be God-centered. The music ministry will eventually just become entertainment if it's not God-centered. Anything that we do, our loving care and everything else, if it just becomes a social thing that we're doing, it just falls flat and is a little hollow. Christ has to take the lead. Christ has to be on the throne. What are we not so good at? It's always good to recognize what we're not so good at. I don't think we're that good at outreach, personally. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think so. I just don't think we're that good at outreach. Uh, I don't think we're really good at reaching out into our community. I think we've had some, we've had some uh, experiences, small experiences, and they've been very, very good. And I think the Lord has encouraged us, do it more. But we're not, we're, not that, we're not that bold to do it. So I think our outreach, first of all, with the gospel, and I think also uh, into our community, I just don't feel like it's that strong. But again, our, we don't have to continue that way. Because we have someone inside of us collectively who is a fruitful bough. We don't have to remain the same. Going forward as a church, we don't have to say, okay, well, that's just who we are. I guess we'll always be that. No. We have a fruitful bough within us, and that fruitful bough wants to go over the walls. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let me give you a picture um, this is from the book of Numbers. We're not, we're not going to actually go into the verses. If you want to look at it yourself, just read Numbers chapter 2. But I have a picture for you that's coming up. It's interesting. There it is. Okay. This is interesting. When, when Israel... The, this is the tribes that we're talking about here. Eventually, when they just become known as Israel... When they're in the good land and they're moving, they're moving through. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, Nigel. Oh, they're on their way to the good land. God arranged them in a very particular way. It wasn't just like, hey, we're moving. And everybody just kind of got, uh, no, there was kind of an organization. You're talking about two million people. And so God provided a cloud for them, and they all, whenever the cloud rose up, they all followed the cloud. They knew that was the time to pack up camp. But what I want to show you is you have four different squares. Don't pay so much attention to the one in the center right now. We'll cover that, I'm sure, at another time. But the direction of their move, do you notice who was leading? The person who is leading is, or the person who is in charge of that particular group of tribes, is in, is in capital letters. Do you notice who's leading the whole group of God's people? Who is it? Judah. And what's really striking is who's right behind him. 
Reuben. <laughs> I love the Bible. You know, you think, oh, it's no big deal. It's a big deal. What is Reuben's tendency? He can't possibly lead because of the kind of things that he has done. And so what does God provide for him? God provides for him Judah, who is the strong, kingly, stable leader. Think about what Reuben is looking at the whole time he is moving. No matter where he goes, Judah is in front of him. What a great reminder. Reuben, you can't, you can't be the leader. If, you be the, if you're the leader, this won't go well. Judah is the leader. Christ has got to be the leader in all that we do. Amen? Amen. Regardless of what our, what our tendencies are, Christ has to lead. Look at the one after the tent of meeting. Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh. So those of you who have been with us long enough, you know who Ephraim and Manasseh represent, right? That's Joseph. Joseph is also taking a lead. Who's following Joseph? Dan. And what does Dan do? Hinder people. The best way, the best way to stop hindering people is to follow Joseph. It's to follow Christ as the fruitful one who wants to bless us. Would you like to bless people or hinder people? I'm not sure. Really, think about it. Do you want to hinder people or bless people? Don't you? Then follow Joseph. Don't follow your tendencies. Follow Joseph. Follow Christ. Follow Christ as the lion of the tribe of Judah. If you're Reuben and you're leadership is a little unstable follow him if you're the kind of person who tends to hinder people in their progress follow christ follow joseph well let me conclude in this way um eventually of course jacob passed away and he said take my bones to canaan which is very very important uh, Joseph passed away at the end of uh chapter 50 as well and he says when you leave here Take my bones with you. or t- Yeah, that's right. Take my bones with you. Uh, so both Jacob and Joseph were buried in the land of Canaan, the, the, the land that God had given to his people. And it's good for you and I to recognize that we are all part of what God is doing. There's an unfolding story and we're all part of it. We started this series a while ago, Great Cloud of Witnesses, and I just wanted to leave you with these thoughts. Actually, why don't, why, doesn't the, why don't the musicians come on up while I'm concluding here? That way you can get yourselves ready. We'll have the Lord's table in a second. Let's talk about witnesses. The great cloud of, the great cloud of witnesses, they testified about God even to their dying death. And I want you to consider the witnesses that you've seen in the book of Genesis. How many of them were perfect? Zero. Not one. They're all, they are all not perfect. They all had their weaknesses. But still, they witnessed for God. Still, they witnessed for God. In spite of all of what they had. And how did they do that? They allowed Christ to take the lead in their lives. They allowed God to be the center 
of their lives. They witnessed for God by blessing other people. I can't imagine Jacob actually blessing other people, but because of God, he blessed other people. I'll leave you with a question. Would you witness for God in your life? Would you be a witness for God in your life? There's only one way. Let him be the center.